Hello and welcome to Going Viral. I am David Lim. It is Friday the 28th of August. In a previous podcast, I spoke with Professor Joe Ibrahim seeking to understand issues that led to so many elderly and vulnerable Australians becoming infected with SARS-CoV-2 and many dying from COVID-19. In this follow-up podcast, we discussed what we can do about these issues. Once again, the latest global and local COVID-19 statistics will follow the interview. Before we start, I'd like to encourage you to register for the next webcast, where you can always catch a high-quality lineup of speakers and topics that HealthEd has put together for you. HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high-quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free, you get CPD points, and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthed.com.au. You can listen to these podcasts on the HealthEd website, or you can download the HealthEd app and access many other learning resources as well. Today, I will be speaking with Professor Joe Ibrahim about these vexing issues. Professor Ibrahim, can you please tell us about yourself? Oh, thanks, David. I'm the head of the Health Law and Ageing Research Unit at the Department of Forensic Medicine, Monash University. I've also been um, in clinical practice for 35 years and over, um, I guess, uh, 30 of those years have been in aged care and I continue to work in clinical practice in aged care, both in hospital and in the community. Joe, I, I'm sure by now many of our listeners, um, when they hear this podcast, uh, will have rage um, rising in their veins and wanting to do something for these very vulnerable people who rely on us to care for them. How can we get involved in what you're doing? I think it's important to understand that that rage has to be turned into something positive and yeah. that it's about advocating for the person in front of you. It's about stamping out all of the, the, the little comments or the biases that come out when people say, um, older people are just waiting to die and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what happens to them. Mm -hmm. It's about trying to get your peers, your, your, the different societies or colleges to make statements um, that affirm that older people have the same rights as everyone else. It's, mm -hmm. I'm not asking that older people get treated specially. I'm mm -hmm. just saying mm -hmm. that, that they, they have the same rights as everyone else and that should be respected. And if we're able to do that, then we are able to respect each other. Mm. In terms of advocacy, um, I think that, that the questions then need to go you know, to, to the lobby groups or advocacy groups. So the AMA, the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, the, you know, the Royal Australian College of Physicians, they ought to be front and centre mm -hmm. at advocating for this. But... There's been a relative, I don't know whether it's an absence of media coverage, but there's not a lot coming from those groups to force the hand of mm -hmm. government. I think people should be clear about it's all right to question. That's not a criticism. It's not blaming. And one of yeah. the things that has been levelled at me is I'm blaming people. And what I want to know is what have you done? Why did you do that? Why didn't yeah. you do something else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I understand that, you know the path 
to get somewhere. The other important thing is to be working together and sharing information. We don't want to be repeating the same mistakes. Yes. If we know some things work, then we want people to know about that. Yeah. We're, we're working hard now trying to get um, you know, a, an aged care centre for human rights, which doesn't currently exist. And so it, it's that type of support to, to say that essentially people have to say it's not good enough and we want it to change. Mm-hmm. What, what's happened in the past is people have just sort of shaken their head and, and just said, I'm glad I'm not old and I have my strategy so as I don't get old. We have to move past that lucky I'm not old to, you know, what do I want it to look like when I'm old? What can I do now to change it? And and it's those, um, it's having a collective effort and a little bit from everyone goes a long way. And, you know, it's about advocating for your patient with the acute hospital. It's not accepting when things aren't good enough and Mm. making dough. The number of times I've seen aged care workers and GPs make do because mm-hmm. they know they they have to. And so what happens is you start to accept a lower standard of care. Yep. And you accept that um, no one listens to you. you. You shouldn't ever accept that. You should say, well, that's wrong. The fact mm-hmm. that you're listening, not listening to me is wrong. You know, I'm here. I'm seeing, This is what I'm seeing. It's not right. It needs to change rather than to say, I am but one person and the system will never listen to me. As one of the coroners said to me when I was explaining systems, he said, well, he said, Joe, you know the system is people. You you can't just keep blaming the system because the system is people. And if people don't fix the system, then Mm -hmm. it never gets fixed. What a good point. Um, And and that's really important to remember and what I've discovered really over the last three months is there's an enormous number of people that are upset, unhappy and want change, yeah. but none of them are connected to each other. And okay. so all of them feel like a, a, a lone voice um, and are, are fighting. You know, it's really hard to fight the establishment and, you know, like how how is a GP in the western suburbs in Melbourne? Can you get to the chief medical officer? Mm. You don't even contemplate it. But you know, there are well connected GPs who have advocated both at a state, national, and international level that could. Yes. You know, and, and it's possible. It's just about um, it's getting coordination and I guess helping each other. I've got you know the, the more tangible things really yeah everything ends up in the in the world around time and money mm-hmm. you know and, and having time and money gives you resources to do things but you can achieve things with you know by teaching the reception staff by the medical students with what you do at an aged care home by escalating your concerns and supporting the nurses who want something more by talking on their behalf because. As a GP, you may you may get more of a, a an audience with the manager or the owner than the nurse, right. Right. you know. And so, don't accept care that's not optimal. Don't don't say you feel sorry for the nurse who's struggling. Tell the nurse that you will put in, you you will write to, you will talk to, that you will do something to to support her. 
Mm-hmm. You know, sympathy only sympathy only goes so far. People don't want sympathy. They want the problem fixed. Right. Uh, and I think if you have a look at what the Prime Minister announced, I think $12 million mm. for grief and bereavement counselling. So the immediate reaction to be that is, well, what a caring, compassionate fellow he is. Mm. You know, I look at it and say, well, wouldn't need that $12 million for grief counselling if we'd actually done our job in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because we wouldn't have hundreds if not thousands of people now affected with um, abnormal grief reactions related to the situation. Um, And and so I think that every time you think about you can't do something, you can, and you can do it politely. You don't have to be outraged in it. It's really just about, you know, I observed that, you know, the staff were looking after 10, 20, 30 residents, which I don't believe are safe. What can we do to help fix that situation? Mm-hmm. It, it's only by speaking up. And we, we don't get anywhere if we stay silent and we think that someone else is going to talk on our behalf. Or that the problem, and one of the things I had, um, I, I think in terms of my approach over the years was to take sort of really the scientific method mm-hmm. and say, I will demonstrate the problem beyond yep. beyond doubt. And so I've spent 20 years measuring, counting and saying, here it is, this is how many people died for no good reason. Mm-hmm. They died because care was suboptimal and then saying, right, showing you the problem, now you're obviously going to fix it. That That's not how the world works. And so you have to be able to say it's not good enough and it needs to be fixed. Just saying the problem exists isn't enough. It's got to be saying the problem exists, this is not good enough, people are getting yep. hurt. I will, I won't continue to practice here because of the way you're managing it. Um, I think it should be reported, reporting. It's it's the speaking up. You, you cannot be silent. The residents are already silent. If the people looking after them, who they trust, are silent, then the rest of the world thinks there's not a problem. You know, one of the problems with that, Joe, is that the doctors themselves might also feel a bit isolated in not knowing where to speak, as you rightly said, you know, where do we go to? Uh, yes, we can go to management. It's not something that GPs easily do, which is to make an appointment with management. So, no. Well, well, I, I think what you do is you know, talk to your primary healthcare network mm-hmm. or you talk to the, the, the people in practice or mm-hmm. the over, um, you know, the meetings when you have multiple practice meetings is to... Because if you see the problem exists in multiple areas, it's much easier to go as a group. Mm-hmm. Or you can report through to the commission. You could probably report through to the uh, elder rights. You could go to the seniors' rights commissioner. There are avenues. That it takes time. And that's time well spent. It won't yep. ever feel time well spent for you, but it will be time well spent when there are 10 different accounts coming in about the same situation. And this is all about the one percenters and, you know, we because we're in Melbourne and we follow the AFL and sport, people talk about doing the one percenters and the things that make a team enormously successful is attention to the little things that aren't visible to anyone else but you. But each time you speak up and someone else speaks up, there's, there's a weight to that. And each time you speak up the first time, you're more confident the second time and the third time. And if you're getting a good response, then you know that's great. 
if you're getting no response, then you know the problem is really deep-seated and you're going to have to redouble your effort. I'm not saying to shackle yourselves to, to doors. Think about the power we have as a doctor when you tell a person to stop smoking yeah. compared to someone else. Yeah. And there's, there's enormous empirical evidence that says if a doctor tells you to stop smoking, people generally try to stop smoking. If the doctors were to say care is not what it should be here, you don't have to get into a fight. All you've got to do is say, you know, care could be better. So what I'm really hearing you say, there's a few things here, is that one is that we should not be afraid to advocate for the nursing staff because we tend to be okay at advocating for the patients but we don't necessarily see it as our duty to advocate for the nursing staff. But you're saying if you care about your patients, you should care about the nursing numbers, right? Well, I think you've got to care about the people that are providing care for the residents because it's the same as looking after the parents of a child, a sick child. Yes. If, you, if you don't look after the, the carers, then you can't look after your patients. The first thing we have to get in our heads as GPs is that we, we have to have to look beyond that patient into the factors that affect quality care for the patients and talk about it. The second, and I love it, is the fact that you're a very grassroots person. Joe, you're really wanting us to, to engage in conversations one-on-one within groups with our primary health networks about our own issues in particular places, and if there seems to be a general acknowledgement and the ground swell, then what you're saying is that that's resonating, that we all have a problem, and that together we may have a louder voice. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, absolutely. It's, it's far easier to go to, to the Commission if you've got five different GPs with five different accounts. Mm. Yeah, it, that's very hard to contest or dispute. That's got to be taken seriously. And the other thing is it's always easier to do something with someone than by yourself. You know, that's just in terms of everyone's got their strength, you know, and some, some people speak well and some people um, are, are, you know, incisive in, in their approach and some people have sort of that, that, that moral courage um, that won't be moved. If you get... But, but we all don't have that, that in the same amount to be able to manage effectively, which is why as a group, as a team, you'll have someone that keeps you honest. You'll have someone that's outraged. You'll have mm-hmm. someone that's scientific. You'll mm-hmm. have someone that can speak well. And together, you become mm-hmm. formidable. Yep. No one person has all of those characteristics. It's just not... not I don't think it's possible unless you, know, you, you look at Nelson Mandela and... Yeah, there are very, very, very few people that have the tenacity, the forgiveness, and mm. the ability to engage. All of us have uh, aspects of it. Together, we, we have enough to make things change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want them to change, even for self, you want them to change because if you're lucky, you'll get old. If you're mm. not lucky, you'll be dead. So imagine that you're going to be lucky, so you're going to live. Mm. What do you want there for you? And how do you want people to treat you? Yeah. And that's where you start to say, well, that's what I want. Yeah. What I you know, tell people is you don't have to like old people. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you to um, like old people. That, that's not, it's not my job. Whether you like them or not doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The only thing that matters is you recognise that 
they have the same rights as you and I do. And those rights should be respected in the same way you don't have to love your neighbour, but you know you can't just walk into their house and they can't walk into your house without your permission. Mm-hmm. And the same way as when you're driving on the road, you don't have to love every driver, but you know these are the rules and we abide by them because we are equal in um, how we manage our lives in Australia. Mm-hmm. Older people have the same rights that we do. You don't have to like them. You just should respect their rights. And you know, the funny thing about all this, Joe, it's only a matter of time before we are ourselves there. Um, well, it, it happens. It happens in a blink of an eye that you're oh, just yeah. graduating I'm... in the 1980s, and suddenly you look back and you see your dad in the mirror, and you say, "Well, that's you know, me." That's exactly where I am at, Joe. That's exactly where I'm at. And everything you said just resonates so much. So we really need to have the conversation amongst ourselves about aging, about ourselves getting old, about equality, right? Well, well, I think that the the conversation, people don't like talking about getting old, people don't like talking about dying, and people don't like talking about disability. So I, I, I understand that. I'm not asking you to do any of that. I'm just saying that in a civil society, we all have uh, a set of rights okay. and we all should get the same care and everyone gets to make their own choices. Just just live that. That's yep. all. You, you just got to recognise that um, they have a right to be the same as you do and that the way you treat them yep. is that the way that you wish to be treated. And you know, the minute you say that's not how I would wish to be treated, then you know that there is... Uh, a breach in their rights and you should defend those rights mm, mm. because in defending those rights you're protecting your own rights which everyone is very very clear about um, mm. as you would have seen with the anti-mask yeah there's a whole bunch of people that everyone wants their right to self-determination yes if you don't protect older people's rights then yours will go as well Professor Abraham, I, I, I've just had the most amazing time with you. Uh, you've just really let me down, opened my eyes, made me feel things I haven't felt for quite a while, wanted to engage in activity I've never thought I wanted to engage in. Uh, and so what I thought is that, that you have so much to offer. I would love in the future to speak with you again. But, but just now I'm just mindful of your time and I just wonder, do you have just some bullet points or some messages to our GP and health professional listeners? Oh, I think the first thing is don't ever underestimate your value um, in terms of being able to change society. And your value is in standing up for what's right and advocating mm-hmm. for your patient, their family, and your community and mm-hmm. your country. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that advocacy doesn't have to be strident. It just needs to be firm mm-hmm. and consistent. That um, you need to work together um, because people have these shared feelings and shared ideas. It's just that they're, they're unspoken because they sound, they sound too woolly or nebulous. So people don't sit around talking about the rights of older people. They, what they do is tell you a story about something bad that's happened and how awful it is to be old Mm -hmm. rather than isn't it awful that we're not acting on something that we see is clearly wrong and why is Mm -hmm. there a mechanism for that so looking for those solutions yeah um 
and the yeah the small things count you know you you cannot stay silent mm-hmm. um, it's doing the the small things and I think wherever there's an opportunity to support improving care, they should yeah. do that and whether wherever there's an opportunity to question mm-hmm. to ask questions is ask the questions because when people know that they're going to be questioned, mm-hmm. their performance improves, the right. reasons they do things improve. And think about every time you have a medical student with you and they ask you a question, you, you think, well, that that's why why are they asking that? It makes you think. And, and it's that sort of reflection, that reflective practice about why am I here? What am I doing? Am I doing a good job? How could I do it better? comes from just asking those questions. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go into psychotherapy for that. It, it's just really, what could I have done better today? How would it be seen by someone mm-hmm. else? You know, I've learned many of things from those so-called stupid questions from mm-hmm. um, undergraduate students because we tend to become numb or immune or acculturated to things that we see repeatedly. And then people... <laughs> I think that's that's the right word is desensitized and Mm -hmm. you know it'd be like a student saying so do you always see young women without a chaperone is that Mm. normal and you Mm. think oh Mm. oh god no that that's not what we're supposed to do Mm. you know is it you know how how do you do um you know and then the classic is why do you always examine from now now i'm just ranting why why do you always examine from the right side of the bed i really had a satisfactory explanation for that no (laughs) I've never questioned it. Isn't it funny? Um, I'm assuming it's because most people are right-handed. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but 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 the the simple one of the things that's really important is is to question why 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 is it so to use Julius Sumner Millis that why is it so why yeah. do we do it this way yeah. what is the reason what is the purpose of a ward round what is the purpose of a home visit yeah. what is the purpose of just asking that question rather than saying it's because we always do it, that's enough to do. So if you just ask, why is it so? Why is it an old person can't go to hospital? What? And then I think the probably the, the one thing to leave the listeners with is every time you have a question about a person in an aged care home, ask yourself the same question but put that person in their own home in the community okay. and then see whether your answer changes. And if your answer changes because their address has changed, then mm-hmm. you know something is wrong. If the care this person would have got was different if they were in their own home, then you know something is wrong because there's clear discrimination based on your residential address. That's a very useful tool to have. I just want to wish you goodbye and thank you. Thank you so much. Goodbye. No worries. Okay, bye-bye. And now for the global and local COVID-19 statistics. From the John Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Centre, we find that the global COVID-19 cases is nearing 24.3 million. The USA has recorded more than 5.8 million cases, Brazil more than 3.7 million, India more than 3.3 million, Russia nearly 973,000, South Africa more than 618,000 and Peru more than 613,000 cases. Global COVID-19 deaths is recorded at 
828,134, with the USA recording more than 180,000 deaths, Brazil had more than 117,000, Mexico more than 62,000, India more than 60,000, and the UK with more than 41,500 deaths. In Australia, we have 25,260 confirmed cases of COVID-19 to date and 584 deaths. In the past day, Victoria recorded 113 new cases of COVID-19 and I am sure we are all hoping for double-digit figures in the coming days. There were 12 deaths in the last day. 503 patients remain in hospital, 18 are in ICU and 11 are being ventilated. All these figures are improving and we also hope for single-digit daily death rates in Victoria in the coming days. New South Wales has reported 13 new cases of COVID-19, 6 are locally acquired of known sources, one is a return traveller in hotel quarantine and six cases are under investigation. This is a reminder that there is a burden of yet undetected community transmissions occurring. I do wonder why masks are not made mandatory on public transport. It is not a huge imposition and keeps us and our drivers safe. Queensland has reported three new cases of COVID-19 in the past day. These persistent but low figures suggest there is possibly a growing burden of unidentified cases in the community. Have a good and safe day. Just a quick reminder as we wrap up to encourage you to register for the next webcast where you can always catch a high quality lineup of speakers and topics that HealthEd has put together for you. HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free, you get CPD points, and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthed.com.au.